Welcome to the Tech Bytes portion of our episode. We're in a six-part series with Singtel about cloud networking, that is, how to make your existing wide area network communicate with cloud services in an effective way that maybe your legacy WAN isn't able to. Today is part three of six, and we're chatting with Mark Seabrook, Global Solutions Manager at Singtel, regarding strange ideas and misconceptions customers have about connecting to the cloud. Mark, welcome back. One prevalent solution to connect private networks to cloud networks is SD-WAN. We, in fact, talked about SD-WAN in the previous episode, and it, it seems like it should be like really straightforward, right? Plumb an SD-WAN router into your cloud VPC, it joins the tunnel mesh, and it all just, just works, right? Yeah, so a little bit of a misconception with some customers. Um, when people get into SD-WAN, sure, it looks very plug and play, and it is. Um, if you, when you start off and you've got maybe only 10, 20 sites, but you get up into the 500 sites, the thousand sites, um, very, very quickly, you add in some cloud connectivity, some, you know, web security, you can get very, very, very granular. You can have tunnels upon tunnels upon tunnels. And if you don't plan it correctly, you let it get out of control, it can it can become um, problematic. Right. I'm just envisioning in my head, like, you know, 10 points all connecting together to some clouds. And that's, I can kind of hold that in my head. And then you said 500 sites. And I'm like, no, no, that is just, that's just a rubber band ball. And I have no idea what's going on. Sure. Yeah. But let's let's not overstate the complexity, right? If I'm in a if I'm in a single region in a single country, like you said, 10, 20 sites, SD WAN, that's that's pretty functional out of the box, right? One of the other big things that you really need to plan and look at with with an SD network is regions around the world. So, for example, if you're a, a customer that's only got sites in the United States, it's totally free, the internet's free, there's no limitations, you've got ample bandwidth. If you're doing uh, an SD network across the globe, other parts of the world where things are regulated, you have to really think deeply about this. Okay, you just brought up a point here that didn't, it's just, just hitting home. You, you're talking about the connectivity from America being free, not free as in dollars, free as in there's no restrictions. If you're on the Internet and connecting from one point in uh, the U.S. to another point in the U.S., you're not thinking about there's some bottleneck where someone's monitoring my traffic and going to throw some stuff away. Uh, there's no government agency. Um, well, we, we can get into conspiracy theories, which would be super fun, but we're not going to do that not, today. No. But there's, there's, no, there's no restrictions on where I can push traffic. But you're saying, depending on where I am routing internationally, it gets complicated if I'm trying to push traffic into, oh, you brought up the example of China, let's say. Is that, that's the point you're making? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, 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 the most famous one is, is China. The, everybody sort of knows in the networking world knows about the great firewall of China, but it's, just, it's not just the firewall, it's the way um, internet traffic is routed through the three main providers within China, and it's very much a province to province, and there are choke points. So we get a lot of customers who are in China, they're on SD-WAN, but they're pointing, their corporate has them pointing to a an AWS or an Azure target outside of China, even in the States. And that's very problematic. So you really have to think around that when you're designing from a, 
a plain piece of paper. Uh, this, that is very interesting to me because I think of China as the great firewall. You know, there's just like a big border around it and all internet traffic that is outbound gets filtered or inbound gets filtered. But I never thought of from province to province because uh, that's a very different experience than what you see in the United States. So it's literally if something's coming from one province to another, that might get filtered. Yeah, filtered. And it's also a choke point. So if if you're sending a packet from New Jersey to California, there's a billion ways it can get there in the States, uh, obviously just based on BGP. Within China, for example, it's a lot more regulated. So um, even, tra in, even traffic within China, um, it, there are a lot of choke points before you can even get out of China through what we commonly refer to as the Great Firewall. Uh, Mark, another challenge here, I think, is uh, even though we're in the Asia region trying to move traffic from, say, Hong Kong to China, that depending, it could go all the way across the Pacific to the west coast of the U.S. and then back again? Sure, absolutely. So if you're using a, a regular uh, vanilla uh, DIA internet, from if you did a trace route from Hong Kong to a target in, um, in China, most likely it's going to go via a, a California West Coast hub. Um, so we, we kind of get around that by using um, our IP transit where we have um, direct peerings with the free main Chinese telcos. And so we can, we can actually uh, determine the route so it's a more direct pathway um, from Hong Kong into China, for example. Right, I was going to say, going out to the West Coast, uh, San Jose, that seems suboptimal in terms of routing. I know routing isn't always the most optimal route, but, it, you know, that, right. that seems not great, not great performance. <laughs> and, th and that's another thing with SD-WAN. Um, if you're going pure internet, there are a lot of what we just call suboptimal situations around the world. You can, uh, you can get traffic, you know, and it's wrapped up in a tunnel and it will flow from from India to the States, back to London, for example. Okay, <laughs> an interesting topology. So uh, what approach would you take if you were designing an, an SD-WAN solution? Would you go with a, a, a very regional approach for that? Or, or what? what's your advice to avoid these kind of pitfalls? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of our customers, um, especially our big customers with, say, a thousand sites, we will keep them in a regional uh, topology. So what that basically means, let's just pick on the states. All of the sites in the US would point back to two Equinix data centers in an active failover. You'd have a 100 gig ring between those two Equinixes back to their private data center. And then from the actual um, in-country uh, data centers and private hubs, we will link them with point to points or a large MPLS to their other regions. So for example, you might have a customer that just divides their network up into the States, uh, Europe, um, say in Germany, um, Middle East and Asia. So, yeah, what you're highlighting here is even though SD-WAN with the, the tunnel overlay abstracts whatever the transport is underneath it away, if you want to get optimal performance and depending on who, which the endpoints are that you're trying to connect, you may need to do some, uh, I guess we could describe it, Mark, as over the top routing engineering that is going to make sure those endpoints are communicating in an optimal way that you can't just 
point your SD-WAN tunnel at the default gateway and say, good luck, little packet, you're going to be fine, because <laughs> it may not be fine without that engineering that, that is going to regionally optimize traffic flows. Sure, absolutely. I mean, you, the very last thing you want is to go to an SD-WAN topology, gain all the benefits of SD-WAN, and then have your internet breakout going six times around the world before it hits uh, the cloud target. So you want to keep everything... Um, kind of in region um, as far as far as cloud connectivity is concerned. That's that's always been our philosophy. Okay. So if you're taking advantage of some cloud services, you want to hook into AWS or Microsoft Azure, you would have those cloud connect points that I think we talked about in a previous tech bite uh, that you provide. Those would be in those Equinix data centers that you set up as the, the two active failover sites for a region. Is that the design we're talking about? Uh, yes or no. So um, yes, we um, a lot of the traffic will go be routed to their uh, data centers, and then it will hit the cloud through uh, our SD Connect product, which takes them in through a direct connection. A lot of other applications, and this is the beauty of SD WAN. A lot of the other applications will just be inspected on the first packet at the site go straight to the internet breakout and, and point towards a Zscaler node. And then from Zscaler, then into the cloud, um, just through an internet gateway. Okay, so if I'm using Microsoft 365 at one of those branch sites, that's the path that's gonna take. It doesn't need to go over an express route or anything. You can just use the public internet. Sure, so I mean, the, the, the rule of thumb that I've seen with a lot of Fortune uh, 100s is, yeah, your Office 365, kind of low security, um, general um, office type tools, they're going to go through an internet breakout. We're still going to put them through Zscaler to scrub them. Sure. But they're going to go straight over the internet to the, low, to the most optimal um, cloud gateway in that territory. There's other applications where through regulations, they'll be pushed through a tunnel back to the Equinix hubs maybe scrubbed through a corporate set of firewalls there and then pushed into the cloud via an SD Connect gateway. Okay, yeah, and I know a lot of those SaaS, uh, SaaS applications like Office 365, they they will sort of figure out what the best endpoint is for you based off of DNS queries. So they don't want you mucking around with that. <laughs> sure, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, even, um, for example, Silverpeak, they will push out an updated list of the most optimal um, cloud targets over the internet to all of the sites. So it's kind of very automated. Gotcha. So I said, the main takeaway for me here is that you can't just slap an SD-WAN into your networking and hope it works. There, there has to be some amount of planning behind what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think with, uh, at least on a global scale, and when you're getting up into like the thousand sites, you really have to have a clean uh, design. You really have to design it out on paper, lots of drawings, lots of visios. If you just put it all together and install it and, and people in one region build certain stuff and people, IT staff in another region build other stuff and they don't all match together, you can get some real wishes. <laughs> the packet that never finds a home. <laughs> right, right. Cool. Well, if folks want to hear more about your thoughts on SD-WAN, uh, how can they reach out to you on the internet? Sure, yeah, just hit me up on LinkedIn uh, under my name, and uh, I'd love to talk to anybody. 
All right. Well, Mark Seabrook uh, from Singtel, thank you so much for joining us today. And hey, listeners, thank you for listening into this Tech Bite. This was just part three of a six-part series. So we're going to hear more on building cloud-ready networks with Singtel in upcoming episodes. Part four will be in a couple of weeks, and we'll be tackling some real-world customer scenarios so you can learn from their experience while building your own cloud-ready network.